Is there a future where The Sopranos will one day be lost by newer generations? Perhaps in the oversaturation of streaming services and critically acclaimed TV like Tears and Rain. Welcome to Josh Hasn't Seen The Sopranos. I'm Jared Backens and I'm joined by my two millennial co-hosts Drew Madden and Josh Fink as we go through each episode to uncover if The Sopranos should still be considered the best. It's good to be in something from the ground floor. Even though some consider 2020 the golden age of TV, I get the feeling we came in too late for that. We came in at the end. The best is over. Josh hasn't seen The Sopranos. Here we go. All right, welcome to episode 13 of Josh Hasn't Seen The Sopranos, the season finale of season one, where we cover I Dream of Jeannie Cusimano. Here with Drew Madden, Josh Fink. Guys, season one is over. What's what's the best season one of TV ever? Is this it or is there something else for you guys? Either this, Game of Thrones, or what's the one with Matthew Matthew McConaughey and True Detective? So that one's tough to... I would I would take that one out of it because that's just a um that's just like a standalone season one. But you think Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones does have a great first season. You think that contends with it? And then maybe I just need to watch Game of Thrones and then Breaking Bad just not work the next two days and just watch each of those first seasons and then I can decide. I didn't think Breaking Bad season one was anywhere close to this. Like it gets closer in the later seasons. Like it improves a lot, but I think season one of this versus season one of Breaking Bad, I mean, this all day long for me. I just can't remember. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's been a while. When did Breaking yeah. Bad come out? Was, was it like high school or something? Uh, 2008. Yeah, so high school. Did you watch it when it first aired? I think so. I think I remember having watched mm-hmm. it before college. I don't, think, I don't think I got in until like the third season. And then I had to go back and rewatch it all. I watched it. I think it was the last season was airing when I watched it and I just binged through it. Because di- didn't it come on after? Was it after or before Breaking uh, uh, Walking Dead? Uh, Walking Dead was after, started after Breaking Bad. Those are the first was? three AMC TV shows. So AMC was like a movie network and then Mad Men was their first TV show, which is like, that's pretty good for your first one. Breaking Bad was their second. And it was like, damn. And then Walking Dead was their third, which is like, all right, not as good as the first two, but that's pretty good. Well, they, and then they had Hell on Wheels. Did you ever watch that? Or like about no. the, rail, the railroad? That was, it was pretty good for like a season and a half. That was when they were they were already, they had several series out at that point though, right? Yeah, they were kind of on a run. Where does uh, Sopranos season one rank for you in first seasons of TV, Josh? Kind of like Drew. I, I don't know if it beats Game of Thrones. Um, it definitely had a good build to it. Uh, I think that's one thing that there wasn't a lull. It was just pretty much a steady, steady climb. I feel like a lot of TV series these days kind of start out hot, a little bit of a lull in the middle and then catch you with a cliffhanger at the end to get you to watch season two. Um, But overall, uh, I thought it was really, really well done, really fun to watch. But I don't know if I could say it's better than Game of Thrones. Just Game of Thrones, like often, uh, spoiler, often, you know, Ned Stark, you're like, just so taken aback. It's hard to beat that. Yeah, that was rev- like the same way Tony, as we talked about earlier in this uh, season, killed that one guy. And he was like the first protagonist mm-hmm. to kill somebody. I feel like Ned Stark was like the first time a main character, if you hadn't read the books, was building up and you're just like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like that has never been done before. Did you guys ever see the the shield? 
I haven't, no, but that's raved about. I guess like in the first episode. Spoilers for this shield, I assume. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> like they, they're like following a, like it's like a good cop, bad cop kind of thing. And in the first episode, you think you're following one character and then like he gets shot in the head. But that's like, so, the, and then you're following the the bad cop or whatever. Oh, that's pretty never, good. I, yeah. And so, I mean, but that's like an hour, you know, like, like a one episode twist like that. Whereas Game of Thrones was like, yeah, I don't know any other shows where the protagonist has been killed in the, I guess the the wire kind of did that in some seasons. For sure. I think I want to touch on Josh. I think you're right. Like Tony killing the guy on screen episode five of this season of TV changed TV after that. I think Ned Stark getting killed in season one of Game of Thrones also changed the game quite a bit where people were like, oh, you don't need to have this this leading character drive you through the full TV show. You can completely alter people's expectations of that. And Game of Thrones didn't, I mean, did it better than anyone else in season one. They kind of lost. They like kind of got full of themselves in that and then just <laughs> overdid <kept> it. it. <laughs> yeah. Where it was like so sudden in a lot of those later seasons when like something crazy would happen that it was almost it. It was almost a crutch they kept falling on. It's funny. I, I am big on just like, no, we have to end this recency bias, especially around shows like Game of Thrones. But Game of Thrones season one, I could see the argument. I don't think it's better than The Sopranos. I think Sopranos is doing a lot more complicated things, but I can see the argument. I can accept that. Jared, did you ever watch Boardwalk Empire? I've watched part of it. No, I, I, I think part of season one. I didn't. I haven't finished it. That's on my list as well. One of my roommates in college is really into it, so I'd catch it every. I think I watched like half of season one, but I remember being like critically, you know, yeah, well received. Yeah, Steve, uh, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Yeah. yeah. Terrence Winter, who wrote on The Sopranos, created that show. It was like after The Sopranos aired, it seemed like anyone who was in that writing room could just create their own show at that point. Like Matthew Weiner went and created Mad Men after The Sopranos. Terrence Winter went and created Boardwalk Empire. It was just like networks were just like, all right, just give these people money and just let them create TV shows. It's kind of like kind of like a like in sports, you know, at least in the NFL, like Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots mm-hmm. head coach, all his like underling coaches go and he- get head coaching jobs just based off <laughs> the resume with him. Yeah, I feel like like Spurs assistant coaches in basketball can just go get head head coaching jobs. Yeah, I, I think I think the Sopranos is different because it was this this first season was so novel for TV. I don't think it's as good as the later seasons i think it gets better i think of this season as like a transition from like what tv was to what it was going to become um and i think it did it so well and it, it showed it too so just talking since we're finished with this season i want to go to the awards a little bit that it won so emmys it won best lead actress and best writing i mentioned them earlier but for lead actress it was Edie falco writing can you guys guess the episode it was for I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. Wasn't it the college one? Yeah. And though that wasn't my favorite episode, I see why that happened. It was like this standalone body that just changed TV. So I think that that was the right choice. Also, the writing nominations, there's five nominations every year. Sopranos had four out of the five. So four of its episodes were nominated. And then NYPD Blue was the fifth nomination. <laughs> and 
it lost the Emmy though for best drama, which is what won best drama was the practice. Did either of you guys watch that? It was the practice. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming it's a doctor show. Or is it a lawyer show? Uh, I guess it could be a lawyer show. It's funny. I looked this up. Oh yeah. It's a legal drama. I looked this up a couple of weeks ago. Cause I was like, I haven't really even heard of this where it's like those Emmy voters have to feel so stupid in hindsight. <laughs> Just like we're going to give to season three of the practice, you know, the Sopranos, eh, not so much. Also tore up the golden globes to one best drama TV show, best actor for James Gandolfini, best actress for Edie Falco who plays Carmela. Another best actress nomination that was for L- Lorraine Bracco plays Dr. Melfi. And then they also won Best Supporting Actress for Nancy Marchand, who plays Livia. And I thought that was very fitting for the TV show because it's all these female characters that really influence Tony's life. And it was just, it's funny, you think of this mob show, but it's really just cleaning up on the female actress awards. It just shows it's so much more than a mob show. And then Writers Guild of America won the Best Writing Award, which that's pretty telling when you have a bunch of writers who realize, you know, this is the the best written TV show. And I I see, I I don't think there has ever been a series that came onto the forefront like The Sopranos that just changed TV forever. Um, And we've talked about it before. And does that make it the best because it changed things the most? Probably not on its own, um, but I don't know. Well, did it also like set the stage for HBO to get into TV? Did they have TV, Mm -hmm. many TV shows before The Sopranos? I mean, I don't know the answer to that question, but... They didn't. I mean, they had, I mean, Oz, which was critically acclaimed. And then, gosh, we're trying to think if Sex and the City started before The Sopranos. It was around the same time, I think. But either way, yeah, I mean, HBO didn't clean up on awards at these TV awards ceremonies, which seems so weird now. It's like kind of the dynamic we had a year or two ago when streaming services hadn't won any awards and now they're they're cleaning up. Because I think for probably, I don't know, 15 years straight, HBO had the most awards out of any other network at the awards. Well, yeah, now the streaming services are just throwing dump trucks full of money to anyone who wants to. (laughs) They're like, oh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, here's like $30 million (laughs) to star in this. I don't even know what it is. Show. Just make whatever you want and we'll give you money. I almost think that dynamic is a little bit better with streaming services because the, the network isn't giving as much oversight into the creative aspects of it. Like I think of the college episode of the Sopranos where the net or HBO was like, Oh, you have to make the bat. You have to make the guy a drug dealer or something so that the audience is okay with killing him. It's like what? Or Seinfeld where they're like, Oh, you can't air the Chinese restaurant that no one's going to want to watch that. <laughs> you can, t- you can totally tell like Netflix. It doesn't have too many, doesn't have too much of a hand in because some of the crap that comes out. Yeah, <laughs> they've overdone it where it's like they have so much money and they're just giving it to anyone. It's like, like what was that Will Smith movie where uh, like with, with the goblin with like or something? Monsters. Yeah, I didn't see it. Or that uh, that Sandra Bullock movie Bird Box that everyone watched over one weekend and now no one ever talks about it again. I didn't was watch that, it. Was that during quarantine? Yeah. No, 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 it wasn't. It was like a year or two ago, I think. Hey, I know one of the uh, stunt doubles because, you know, she like rafts down the river <laughs> and I know, I know the guy. That, oh, really? That, yeah. And they're like, I guess they asked him to do the 
river without a life jacket? And he was like, no. <laughs> I fuck no. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of money. Yeah. The American River. It wasn't the American River. I don't know where it was. But okay. uh, yeah, it was a guy named Horse. <laughs> <laughs> the river guide was named Horse. <laughs> well, that's whatever. I don't even know his, his other name. <laughs> I, I know. I know it at some his, point. His, his, his government name? <laughs> yeah. He, he burned his birth certificate a while ago, Drew. He just, he goes by horse now. <laughs> Last thing, just covering the series. One of the one of the critics, Marvin Kitman, wrote this, and I, I think this sums it up perfectly. But he said, "It's a great show, the best new series of the year. It's so dare I say it, original. It catches you off guard. Basically, it's everything I'm always looking for in drama. It's beautifully written, authentic, without the plastic Los Angeles look." The acting is marvelous. It's funny in a darkly comedic way, involving as a soap opera and quirky. I never quite know what's going to happen, even though the subject matter is by no means unprecedented for television. I thought that summed it up, especially the last part. The subject matter is not unprecedented. You could even say like there's an oversaturation of mob content out there, but it this did it so differently. It made the show about his family. And we see that like in the wards when all the his therapist his mom his wife are the ones that are cleaning up the awards not his crew as good as his crew are as actors but i mean that's what a series should be and has this it doesn't have to have a creative premise per se but it has to be done done very well so getting into this actual season finale uh let's talk about the core what was this episode about for us Drew, your core is always a treat you want to go first (laughs) you know i didn't have enough time to think of a clever one um i just had the king returns is that like the lord of the rings movie (laughs) (laughs) that's probably where i got it (laughs) mine was the two towers so you took you kind of took (laughs) the fellowship i was like i got the fellowship of the ring (laughs) (laughs) weird (laughs) i got got the desolation of the hobbit book (laughs) (laughs) the similarian um anyway uh Do you want to explain it to us? The King Returns. Why do you say that? You know, I can think of like something. There's got to be a better like. Uh, well, clearly, but you can. Meta. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just didn't do my homework. That's my explanation. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, I think we all knew this was going to happen. And at what point and then also how. So we'll get into into that later but did it happen the way you guys were expecting or was it a little bit different than what you're expecting tony's takeover of the family and ending all of his threats it was not how i was expecting it because he was kind of it seemed like forced into making moves you know he was kind of setting it up like a chessboard in a way which leads into my core i kind of called it checkmate where kind of everything is at its you know not finale but looks like junior's safe in prison livia is either really good at faking a stroke or actually has a stroke <laughs> so i mean it, it seems like for the most part tony's life in the moment at least in the moment of that italian restaurant is is pretty pretty perfect right now yeah other, other things are still out there though there's the uncertainty of everyone that was arrested if yeah. any of them flip but yeah you're right i mean he he squashed all of his threats in one episode and Man, they really, I kind of, when you're watching the season, you kind of forget about some of the stories that are going on in, in this 
brought them back up again. We see the the father Phil dynamic and Artie Buco with his restaurant, and it was just it was just one thing after another that he had to he had to squash, I guess, really to to gain his power again. I had a mother larger than life, and I think that summed it up for really. You could say that was the whole the whole series is this mother of his really dictated his actions so much. I mean, and the show starts. And if you guys remember, Tony's face is between the female statue's legs. We weren't quite sure what it means, but I, I see this a big part is like he's influenced by, you know, his wife, his therapist, his daughter, but especially his mother. And repeatedly, the the women in the show even, or Olivia in the show is like proven to be resilient and strong and just like Tony cannot escape from it until pretty much the end of this end of this episode at least until next season. It was kind of funny because like the whole season I was, I was like, he should just kill her. But then like he was the refraining because it was his mother. And then his mother had no second thought of like, yeah, time for Tony to go twice. Right. She like organizes it with junior. And then when that fails, she like six already on Tony, like by convincing or telling, letting it slip that Tony burned down Artie's restaurant. Ruthless. So interesting, though, when David Chase, because the creator, David Chase, initially thought this up as a feature film, he liked movies a lot more than TV, the end of the film, so it'd be like two hours or whatever, ends with Tony smothering his mother. And we see <laughs> that that's about to happen later in the episode. But then, you know, it's a series. You want to keep that character going. So that that effort gets gets thwarted. But I thought that was super interesting. So this had more storylines going than a normal episode. Normally, it's four storylines. This was able to get away with it. It's probably five big ones rather than like too big and too small. I think because the stage was set on all of them before this episode. And so it was really just closing the loop on a lot of them. Can you guys think of what those storylines were? Tony becomes captain or not captain, uh, boss. Yeah. So that that's the whole... Uh, Finding out Junior and Livia were the ones for sure they were to put the hit on him. And then he has to go after go after each of them. Junior gets locked up instead of him being able to kill Junior. And Livia has seemingly has a stroke. And so he's unable to go after her too. But at the end, he has power of New Jersey. So that's the main storyline of it. You guys think of the others? Uh, Carmella and Father Phil. Yeah. <laughs> she just calls him out on his bullshit. That was so great. I enjoyed that more than I probably should have. It was just like, you nailed it perfectly. Like, she could be a therapist after that. She's like, somehow food is related or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> She's, you know, I don't like Renee Zellweger. Yeah. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> I swear, I don't remember you saying that. What other ones? Uh, Tony's therapy and the crew. I mean, that's maybe like a minor one. So therapy is one. That one's more, it's spawned by Melfi. When his mom starts faking Alzheimer's, Melfi's trying to get Tony to realize that his mother is behind these attacks or whatever. Um, and Tony loses it on Melfi and then he eventually realizes that Melfi is right. So it is very much related to the A story, but it is this separate tangent with Melfi, I think. And then two two more main ones that you guys should be able to think of them. Artie. Artie, yes. Closing the tie on um, the Artie story. Yeah. Where Artie just... I mean, it starts off, he's very angry, and this is still tied into the main storyline where Livia's pretty much six already on Tony in a way. But 
Artie just eventually accepts because he wants his wife to be happy. He, he likes his new restaurant and just decides to accept it. So I thought that was a fitting end. And then one more, it was at the beginning of the episode that they closed it off pretty quick. The FBI trying to get Tony to be an informant? Uh, no, that one That one was more... Um, ooh, that is another one actually I didn't think of. It, you could... Like a small one with Junior. When Junior is being questioned by the FBI, maybe one beat. Uh, killing the other uh, mob guy. Yeah, the rat. the rat. Yeah, Jimmy Altieri. Oh, that's right. So he's the one they expect or suspected, or I guess he suspected Big Pussy. Then he spe- suspected Jimmy, and they find out it's Jimmy and and kill him. Um, for me, I mean, the a big thing about this was like, and you hear like critics and the actors and writers talk about this a lot. Like the show is about family and this line between his real life family, you know, mother, his mom, uncle junior, Carmela, all these people. And then his mob family. And it's just like this, this line is, this line is mixed and you can't really tell where one, one ends and the other begins. I mean, I, th- I think that's what makes the show relatable in a way is our lives and our, our work lives and all this balance that we're trying to juggle is we we have a hard time ending one thing and beginning another. Any other big picture ideas you guys thought? What did you guys think of this episode? I mean, it was awesome. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> did Emily? Yeah, Emily liked it. And I actually, uh, my parents been wa- binge watched like the season. So they caught up in like, really? a, like, like 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched it with them and then I, I rewatched, like I kind of skimmed through it again today. Nice. But I mean, it wasn't the most exciting, but as far as like tying things together, I thought it was job well done. Yeah. No big reveals or anything, but it really just tied the knot on everything um, that I wanted to know in this episode. There's a couple things that are trailing off. It's like, oh, where's big pussy? What's going to happen to these 15 guys who got locked up? What's going to happen with his mother and uncle junior? But overall, it tied up a lot. How about you, Josh? I really enjoyed the episode. I, I did like the fact that they answered a lot of questions, left some. The biggest one to me is like, where is Big Pussy? Like, if he's not the rat, like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's everything. And then I like the ending where you know Tony's just talking to his family, being like, when you have your family of your own, just remember to, you know, remember the good times. And I was thinking like, is this the good time? I mean, like you're I'm being investigated <laughs> by the FBI. Your mom wants to kill you. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> your your uncle's in prison and could rat on you. But hey, I mean, I guess it's kind of fun being in a storm and good Italian food from your best friend who just tried to kill you too. So yeah, good times. <laughs> I think that's too that's twofold. It's like Okay, all of us should try to focus on what's good in our lives, even though, even when we have a lot of shit going on. That's one, maybe. But then also, it's just like, that's just the mob life, it seems. Where it's like, this is as good as it gets. Really, Tony? <laughs> is- <laughs> the mob life seems fucking stressful. Like, I don't care if you make, like, millions of dollars. Just having to always look over your shoulder, like, can't even go for a run without getting whacked. I, yeah, I, I was just know. like, Not I would never me. have the same routine, ever. It's just like, oh, yeah, Mikey's going to go on his daily jog. Let's get ready to kill him. It's like, no, if I was in the mob, I'd be like, I'd be jogging different areas each time, different time of the day. Maybe invest in a treadmill. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And his house, you mentioned like the money too, but like his house wasn't that great, really. I mean, he had a house, which is nice, but it's like all the stress and you, you can't even, 
like buy a mansion or anything like that? Because Mikey was pretty high up. Yeah, in Fear City, that documentary, he's like, we just got our crew like all Lamborghinis or, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I mean, they're just, yeah, partying, doing heroin. I don't know how much that costs, but just they were living it up in Fear City. They're probably not good at money management. <laughs> no. They're probably very liquid. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The mortgage lender's like, ooh, this, uh, this loan is faulty. You just had a very large deposit. It was crazy when they got into like the the unions and they were talking about, yeah, just the whole city being built on mob money because mm. they would, you know, any other contractors or something, they would just call them and threaten to kill them and then, <laughs> and then like underbid them, you know, or like, yeah, I forget what the details of it, but they like weren't paying taxes. They were underbidding and it was, it's just insane, you know, like millions of dollars just getting like thrown the mobs away it it's so messed up and despite how jovial and fun these characters seem it's like that's what they're doing is they're just ruining honest people's businesses every single day and lives you kind of see the like dr melfi has to run away and leave her patients and things like that um Artie buco is this honest guy his life is you know anyone who's like touches these guys a little bit their <laughs> life is ruined do you guys remember how the the episode starts you know, I fucking should because I literally skimmed through it today. But. <laughs> so it's a sit down with the capos. Uh, this is where they, they tie off that story of the of the rats, at least for now, for this episode. Oh, yeah. That's um, right. So Tony gave Junior the tip. Like, I think Jimmy's the rat. Jimmy has a sit down. Tony has a moment where he explains it for the audience where he's like to Junior. All of a sudden he asked for a meeting for shit we already covered. He's wearing a wire. It's like, well, if you already talked about it with Junior, you don't need to tell us again. But they find out Jimmy Altieri, one of the capos in the family, is a rat. Next scene, we go to the hotel. Chris and uh, Silvio lure him into a room and kill Jimmy, the rat. We go to Meadow with her boyfriend at the house. And then Livia comes over randomly. Like she found her way there from Green Grove. Um, she's acting like she can't remember anything. What do you want, lady? This brings up a, a lob for you guys. Is is Livia faking it here? Oh, oh yeah. 100%. <laughs> so, but that, that leads into therapy. Tony is reflecting on how Livia is experiencing what appears to be these effects of Alzheimer's. And this is where Melfi is pushing Tony into beginning to accept that maybe his mother doesn't want what's best for him. In fact, she might be behind the shooting. And Tony cannot hear this. He flips the table over and gets right into Melfi's face and storms out. And then Melfi barricades the barricades, the room. Drew, what'd you think of the therapy scene? I liked it. I don't know. It was a little, it wasn't too much like point A to point B to point C from Melfi. I mean, Melfi's just like the dream analyzing. I'm like, I fucking miss that with all my therapists. (laughs) It's just not a thing. (laughs) <laughs> just like, tell me about right. the most recent wet dream you've had. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here banging out Jeannie Cusimano. <laughs> just like, you know, maybe if I ever have to go back to therapy, I should just pay more so they can <laughs> my dreams. Uh, I thought it was a good scene, though. Yeah. Um, and I liked the I liked Dr. Melfi just being like, all right, I'm going to. 
I'm going to tell it like it is. Like I got to, I'm, <laughs> it is funny thinking about how therapists can be leading you to, you know, these revelations. And, uh, I'm sure it's got to be so frustrating for them sometimes. Just like, Oh God, another fucking session. <laughs> it's just like don't get it like you know it's like a tutor who some days you have someone who like really understands math and you're like wow you got that quick oh my god (laughs) you were a tutor for a bit oh yeah and i was tutoring this girl for the sats and i was like all right so it's a conversion problem so like how many how many cents are in a dollar and she's like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) then I cannot help you. <laughs> you can't even help yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, I like this session a lot too. It was obviously Melfi is on point, but it was building throughout the season. She's been kind of dropping hints about his mom all season. And he's, it's not the first time he's stormed out on her. Was well, the first time he flipped a glass table over. Um, <laughs> and then like aggressively jumped on her. <laughs> yeah. Bad Tony. <laughs> we go to, we cover a lot of things, but Carmela is at the new Vesuvio restaurant. This is the first time we've seen it. So the ins- insurance claim has finally come through for poor Artie. Did we know that it had come through before this or is this the first? It's the first we, we heard of it. Um, so I, I kind of like when TV shows do that, like a supporting character. We don't need to hear about each step of the way, but yeah. Carmela sitting down with Rosalie April who's the widow of Jackie April and Jackie April was the acting boss of the family at the beginning of the season who dies of cancer. Did you guys catch that or know who she was? Yeah. Okay, cool. So obviously they have a lot in common and they talked about how Jackie's reign was peaceful and Rosalie brings up something that's a big theme in the whole series, but she says, you know, if Jackie had lived, who knows how his life would have ended. And I think that's, kind of the understanding for a lot of mob guys it's like how not often do you die of old age like uncle junior's an anomaly at this point being as old as he is but like you either you either get locked up or you get whacked that's that's what happens to you so art we see Artie. we get a little story oh this is another actually story small story beat of charmaine's loop gets closed to how she says she does not want to see carmela because she doesn't want mobsters to start hanging out in their new restaurant father phil arrives at the restaurant so another this father phil storyline being his schmoozy uh slick self raving about food uh carmela notices that father phil's wearing jackie the deceased jackie's watch given to him by rosalie april so she's like huh it's a very nice gift and we get a a beat of the the rat storyline a guy's walking in the alley and trips over jimmy altieri's <laughs> body with the rat in the mouth i think that that's that sends a pretty good message yeah you, you don't have to read between the lines there <laughs> not not very subtle <laughs> tony's brought to an fbi safe house so fbi brings him or they they've been working on these indictments and they've been trying to influence tony into uh testifying but what they do is they play a recording as they recorded green grove so they catch a lot of the recordings of uncle jr and livia conspiring to whack tony and so this is where tony knows for sure he's already been making moves with his crew planning he assumes it's junior and he so he's been planning out like how he's going to potentially make moves but this is the nail in the coffin where he knows for sure small pitfall 
One of the recordings is from when Junior and Livia are outside, uh, like waiting in line too. So I don't think that was caught in Green Grove. So that bothered me a little bit. Or when they're just like, and then it's just like the perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good pitfall, Drew. That pisses me off and stuff. Just it's like, just like, oh, no, no movie's ever been like, <laughs> one second. <laughs> like, it's just like, you can just like, <laughs> so there's like two minutes of him trying to find the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> that was really realistic. <laughs> just give us a minute. Tony's just sitting there. <laughs> also, like, how do they just pick up Tony Soprano and take him to this FBI safe house and nobody knows about it? when everybody's like curious on who the rat is like isn't that super suspicious well they've killed the rat at this point true but it is suspicious you would think junior was already planning like a second move on tony you would think so tony should be more careful but maybe that's why he went with the fbi is you know okay at least i'll be safe for these guys i'll hear what they have to say (laughs) i don't know it's like a compliment sandwich Um, it's like put a hit on tony and then have dinner with him and then put a hint on Tony. <laughs> Seriously, this this game they all play, it's crazy how they just like have to be, they're super nice, and then like the next second they're like whacking them. It's like you can't believe anything they're saying. But this scene too, it almost bothered me where it's exactly what he needed to hear. It's like Tony's find, trying to find out who put the hit on him. Oh, the FBI happens to like tell him exactly what he needs to know, which is typically frustrating in a show or a movie when the hero by chance gets something like this. You want your hero to find it out for themselves, like take action. I think this was okay because they planted the FBI seed in previous episodes. So I think the audience is able to get behind it more. I think in what is it called uh, in like Greek plays, Deus Ex Machina. Have you guys heard of that? I didn't take Latin all through college. (laughs) (laughs) So you didn't waste your time like I did. But uh, it's like in a a Greek, I think it's Greek play um, where a God comes in like in the one of the later acts and something happens that can just like reveals information or bring someone back to life or something like that, that sends the hero on their way so they can accomplish their quest. And that was what I thought of when this happened. It's like, Oh, these FBI agents happen to tell Tony exactly what he needs to hear. Yeah, they kind of are like the hand of God. Yep. Ah, interesting. Which again, I was I was more accepting of it because it was planted early on. I think if you are going to do that, you want to plan it, not make it as random. But there's just like, and the Lord of Light brings back another one. Oh yeah. <laughs> Game of Thrones spoiler, uh, or any fantasy spoilers? It's like, oh, the hero came back to life. That's really really exciting. That, that ruined it for me. When people get brought back to life, it's just like, come on. What about Harry Potter? Harry Potter made it through seven books wearing like a love shield. His friends kept sacrificing themselves and <laughs> throwing themselves in the way. And he comes out unscathed at the end. It's like, no, Ron and Hermione are the heroes in Harry Potter. Like every, every at the end, it's like, oh, Voldemort would have killed you, but you had love around you or something of your friends. It's like, what? it didn't tell us about that rule at the beginning (laughs) they had a lot of like brotherly sisterly you know love that turned (laughs) wait hermione has feelings to ron all right (laughs) good good for him (laughs) i know it's like what is ron going for him (laughs) dating up (laughs) 
He outkicked his coverage, as they say. I mean, he's comic <laughs> relief, and he's decent at chess when he's eleven years old. But that's it. <laughs> <laughs> he's a pretty, he's a pretty, pretty good uh, keeper, mm. right? Right. And yeah, Quidditch, yeah. I forget. Yeah, he does become part of the Quidditch team in the later books. I think that's right. So he's got that. I guess he's a good Quidditch player. <laughs> we go to the. We go to the Green Grove nursing unit, which ironically, this is what Livia has been scared of before getting pushed into this retirement community. But it's her that's put herself here, right? Because she's faking she's faking Alzheimer's here. But Artie goes to visit Livia. Livia asks, acts super confused. She's like, for example, how's your mother? He's like, oh, mom passed away. And she's like, really? When? About six months ago. Please give her my regards, which is... <laughs> Knowing knowing that she's faking it makes it way more, way worse. It's like, that is so cold, Livia. <laughs> I love how Artie's like, like he's using his like hand gestures. <laughs> yeah, he is again. <laughs> Remember me? <laughs> what, a, what a sweet thing for Artie to do. This might be the, mo- the only selfless act of the whole series so far, right? Like, even when Christopher is following like Tony, when Tony's super depressed, I'm thinking Chris needs Tony to stay alive for him to stay in good graces with the mob. But for this, I don't see if Ar- I don't see any Artie motive besides he just cares about people. Yeah, just wants to cook, share his share his love of cooking with someone. <laughs> <laughs> but this is when Livia reveals to Artie that Tony burned down Artie's restaurant in the pilot episode, which was because. Tony was afraid someone was going to be whacked in the restaurant. How does she know that, though? I mean, Junior knew it, and the crew, like, we already knew. Um, Mikey and Uncle Junior knew it, and Uncle Junior and Livia were spending a lot of time together. That's uh, how I assumed it. Yeah, that's what I figured, but mm-hmm. I was wondering if there was ever a point to where Tony had mentioned it around her or something. Tony didn't, but I think the, I mean, I think the mob knew pretty quickly. I mean, this was... Artie's father's restaurant that was burned down. So he's completely stunned at hearing this news. And really, this is just Olivia ploy to complicate things for her son, which is just so, so messed up. <laughs> but is she any different than than Tony? I think she's worse than Tony. Yeah, I think she's worse. It's a fair point of view. Tony's but he's loving to his kids in, in a somewhat <laughs> unconditional way. I don't know. Tony's also more deals directly with his problems. Well, I guess like the fire in the restaurant Dude. isn't really direct, but Olivia's just so manipulative. It's just ah, uh. yeah. She doesn't have the warm side of her that Tony does. Tony has a sense of humor. He appears to care about his kids and his wife most of the time, or he does most of the time. He seems to be not present other times. Um, but I wonder what Tony would be in his older age. I don't know. I don't know if he'd become like this, but the the manipulative aspect I think is spot on in both of them. But Tony is a is a warmer character. I agree yeah. with that. Wait until this isn't a spoiler, but uh, Tony's sister comes into the mix next season, and she is a delight to watch. You know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, and it's awesome. <laughs> At the Bada Bing office in the back, uh, Tony's with his inner circle of Polly, Silvio, Christopher. This is where Big Pussy usually would be, but he has been missing still. And he reveals, you know, it was Junior who put the hit out as they suspected. 
let's set things in motion. And this is where the episode starts to kick off. Tony expresses to Carmela at the, their house later that his self-esteem is shot. His mom put out a hit on him, which I, I think of The Godfather Part 2. Drew, I know you haven't seen it, but <laughs> there's this dynamic between two of the Corleone brothers, Michael and Fredo, and you feel like the stakes are so high there, these two brothers going after each other. But then, I mean, this is almost a, a different level with like the mother-son relationship, a mother putting an actual hit on the son. But then Tony has the, a, a great line here. He said, Cunnilingus and psychiatry brought us to this. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone who says like mob guys are not sensitive have not been paying attention. <laughs> it's like, we go to the docks here and I, it's a really great sequence here. We see like Silvio getting something in the trunk of a car and then Tony goes down to the a dock with the fish. Tony goes and shoots. So Josh, you had a question about this scene. You didn't know who this was? Yeah, I had no idea. I was at first I was like, is that the FBI guy? Yeah, I mean, but then I was like, uh, Tony wouldn't kill that kill him because I would just lead the investigation on yeah, more towards him. Up. So yeah, I don't I don't I don't know who it was. I don't remember. Yeah, and that and that's I I remember not knowing the first time I watched it. It's one of Junior's guys, Chucky. We see him a couple times with Mikey. And just assuming Junior has an elaborate crew. We mostly see Mikey. We've seen Chucky a couple times, but there's some other guys in the crew as well, um, which we'll learn about next season. Um, but this is Chucky. And so they assume Chucky is going to be the one that's going to make the hit on Tony. They mention it at the bottom bing because Mikey's too high up, but so they think Chucky's going to do it. So Tony wants to go and kill him himself. And so he goes down to the dock. And this is just like such a twisted moment, kind of what you guys were saying earlier. Immediately, Chucky sees Tony and becomes... Like, Chucky must know right away as soon as he sees Tony what's going to happen. But Tony's like, oh, hey, you know, chill out. Look at this fish I caught. And then pulls a gun out of the fish holster. <laughs> so he, like, <laughs> sticks his hand into the fish's mouth, pulls the gun out, and shoots and kills Chucky. And I was thinking, like, as a, like, I'm thinking of the preparation that has to go in here. He, like, has the fish, cuts it open, and he's probably practicing this draw several times before actually doing it. It's like, <laughs> no, this is... I'll put the gun in the fish. This is I got too small, <laughs> too small fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or that's like better than hiding it anywhere else. It's like, okay. Yeah. Check out this fish I caught and then just pull it from behind your back. <laughs> it's like, well, we didn't need to buy that fish. Can we return it? <laughs> and it's in the, how twisted this whole thing is like gets compounded by we see Sylvia and Antonio go out on the boat with the dead body to go drop him in the water. And Tony is wearing the guy's hat. So like Silvio gets on the boat and then Tony's just like puts the guy's hat on and they drive off to go <laughs> dump Chucky into the water. <laughs> Silvio's like pointing. He's like oh, over there. This is a twisted moment of just how, how fucked up these guys are. I also thought it was kind of a pitfall though. Like where is that dock? Like, it's in like the middle of this river. Like there's no way a boat is docked there. Interesting. You know more about boating than I do. I mean, I haven't really done it on the East coast, but you know, it didn't look like there's a parking lot or it just looked like. I was going like to say out. I've been to New Jersey though. And have you seen like a map of New Jersey? How it's just like how water just like cuts into so many inlets of it. Anyway, maybe a dock pitfall. Maybe not. We need to talk to a Jer Jersey expert. So essentially though, Tony is eliminating all threats in Junior's crew, pretty much going to kill everyone who's involved. And as Tony tries to close the loop on everything, he goes to Dr. Melfi's office, worried for her. 
she doesn't let him in at first. He convinces her, but she's on the phone with the with nine one one, and she's like, "Do I have your word that I'm in no physical danger?" <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a pitfall. It's like they would they would send a car, <laughs> uh, even if she hangs up. It's just like uh, we got to go send someone here. Some shit's going down. <laughs> but he convinces he asks her to go on a vacation because he's worried about her life because because him going to see a therapist was part of the reason that that caused Junior to send this hit going forward and she's afraid she's like people are going to get murdered aren't they and he's he says don't worry about those distractions <laughs> do you think do you think melfi would have gone to the police josh or do you think she would have actually gone on vacation as she does in this i think she would have gone on vacation i think she's more scared of tony uh than anybody else at this point so i, I would buy that she's on vacation uh, okay drew do you buy that yeah i buy it in a parking lot Artie pulls uh, a gun on Tony and Tony assumes right away that junior and his crew paid Artie. Like this is how they're going to go after him. He's like, you took their money, but then quickly realizes his mother was behind this yet again. She told Artie that Tony burned down Artie's restaurant. Artie says he loved the restaurant so much, um, but he also loves his new place and this, this ruins everything. But Academy Award performance from Tony Soprano. He convinces Artie that his mother's crazy and that he did not burn down the restaurant. And Artie leaves uh, after smashing his gun into his car. <laughs> but Tony says he didn't burn down the restaurant. I swear on my mother, which is just freaking great. <laughs> Full circle. And then, as you said, Drew, everyone goes to the house for dinner. Uh, Livia and Junior are just at dinner at, at the house after all of this. And Tony tries to get... His mom to admit that Artie went to go see her and she denies it. She pretends to not know who Artie is. She says that that family from St. Louis Obispo, which I just like, oh, I yeah. love that because it's just like all these like subtleties like San Luis Obispo. Yeah, it's San Luis Obispo to our international listeners. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, there's like Santa Cruz and, you know, like, I don't know, there's but just like these subtleties that make it make the show that make the writing so good. And We've not been like bringing this up because I didn't quite realize it until this viewing through the show is she is always talking about families dying. Like she brings up another family that died because they ate uncooked pork. Yeah. <laughs> and last, last episode, it was Infant- like a mother who killed her kids. Yeah, yeah. Infanticide. That's just so perfect. They've just like been laying this hint, like building this, this bridge, this whole show until finally when she puts a hit on her son, like she's the mother who kills her kid. Well, that is pretty spot on with like old people. At least like I have grandparents who live in Texas and anytime there's like an earthquake in California or the wildfires, like, Oh my God, are you guys okay? It's like, yes, grandma, that was was up in uh, Santa Rosa. That's about eight hours drive away. (laughs) (laughs) Away, grandma, far away. (laughs) You're right. That, that can be accurate with certain people for sure. But how how great to use that type of thing and just always use something morbid throughout the whole, every time Libya brings something up and then it comes to a point where she puts a hit on her son. Two hits. Quick storyline. Artie opens up to Father Phil how much he hates Tony, but he hates old people too. He says he's really upset about the restaurant and Father Phil encourages him to talk to his wife about it and to tell the insurance company that they suspect that it was wrongfully burned down. At Satriali's, in the Satriali's office, Tony tells his closest guys that he's been seeing a therapist. He wants to reveal to them before they hear it from someone else. 
I love this moment. Like these tough mob guys trying to come to terms with their like something sensitive. Like Polly says, oh, I was seeing a therapist too. I had some issues. Enough said. I learned some coping skills. <laughs> and Silvio, one of my favorites, he's like, this thing of ours, the way it's going, it'd be better if we could admit to each other these are painful, stressful times. It'll never fucking happen. <laughs> Tough guys coming to terms with like their emotions. That was freaking great. And then Chris, the kid, storms out. He like can't handle it. <laughs> Josh, you still... You still don't like Chris? Yeah, hasn't changed. <laughs> he hasn't won my. He hasn't won me over yet. I, I seem as kind of like a a dumber puppy or something. He, he seems loyal, you know. Might be for his own own reasons, but I don't know. He gets into a lot. Of, I, I I think I like Michael Imperioli, the actor, who's like a really smart guy who actually wrote on The Sopranos starting season two. The actor who plays Chris. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's just like really insightful and and really smart so i think i just have that that soft spot and i see that <laughs> i think he's just so great when he plays chris because i'm like that actor is so smart he's playing this idiot carmela brings food to the church and to bring to father phil and sees father phil sitting with rosalie april just raving about the food as he always does it's just like so funny carmela gets hurt she goes out and dumps all that pasta into a trash can which i was very sad to see at Vesuvio restaurant, Charmaine feels great about how the restaurant is running. Artie is conflicted with whether he should reveal to her what he knows about Tony and essentially decides not to. So that's that's it for, for Artie. It's the one scene of, of uh, marital happiness between Artie and his wife. Yeah. It took a full season and here they are. <laughs> Artie, why are you such a fucking idiot? These yeah. guys- <laughs> He's like, I like the bar stools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lesson you just have to say that whenever you're trying to <laughs> happy wife happy life <laughs> let us let's take our intermezzo here before we get into all the hits and everything like that for this week because we're shifting this is the end of the season let's just talk about what things are going to look like our next chapters what we're going to be doing for for season two and things like that Drew, what does the next chapter of your life look like? Uh, we thought we were taking off in the van, and um, the carpenter who's been helping us build the van asked us to house it for him. <laughs> it's like we can't say no because he's like... So you, you guys are building a van to live in for a while. This yeah. carpenter's been helping you guys, and the van's been at his house? No, it hasn't been at his house. He's just like, he's probably helped us like seven days uh seven six hour eight hour days but i mean the stuff he's helped us with like if you were to get like a custom version would cost like thousands of dollars you know like like ten thousand dollars or something and he asked us to house it and he's like do you want to house it (laughs) and we're like no (laughs) and um for how long uh it's like three weeks so oh man so we'll be uh house sitting for three weeks and then we're like all right that's the (laughs) deadline and after that we're gonna like order some you can get some like custom cabinets on etsy and then after that we'll probably be cruising around in the bay area living in our van for a little bit um which i'm pretty i'm really excited about and doing art on the side uh no i'm doing art full time but like uh yeah i'm just focused on selling stickers to souvenir shops Mm -hmm. so that's been going pretty well and 
kind of seems like at this point, like a bridge job to like find something else. But I'm pretty excited to, to go to stores and, and just ask them. Like I, I go to stores and I just say like, if it's a new place, like, what do you, what would you like, you know, and I'll draw them. something. Yeah. So that's been pretty fun. That's cool. And that's, I mean, stickers have been like your avenue into this. It's a way for you to monetize your passion right now to help you do it more right like you wouldn't if you weren't getting that money from that you wouldn't be able to do it so it's like really helping you yeah i mean it's this this dream alive yeah i've i like uh yeah it is it's helping me and uh just like the stores i can work with through selling stickers are way more than you know trying to own a print shop or something like that like i'm like not even really that interested in trying to sell prints so that's been pretty cool i uh Mm-hmm. I've gotten into a lot of Ace Hardware's, <laughs> which is a pretty funny niche to try and sell. Really? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and Just then like manly men buying all their hardware <laughs> stuff, they're like, "Oh, Sea Line." <laughs> you know, I went into one, and they were just like, you know, they were just kind of like looking at him, and they're like, "Yeah, it's like the wife of the guy like really wanted to bring in some yeah. stickers." <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I've been getting some pretty good. Uh, stores in tahoe that i'm excited about that should be like uh returning customers sweet yeah so it's a good way to to try and monetize and and yeah it's not like my total passion but it's definitely like a way to monetize my create the way i am creative yeah and are so like part of the van trip is going to be to like go to state parks and national parks and that's where you get a lot of your inspiration that's kind of the basis of a lot of your art right uh, well, another thing is just like, uh, I mean, we were like cold calling and emailing people and my success rate with getting into stores, like when I just show up is pretty good for retail. Whereas like cold emailing and cold calling is like the worst. Like, it's just like, I'm not an artist anymore. I'm just like a salesman that cold calls. <laughs> so, well, I mean the return on that, like 10% is really good. If like one in 10. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's just, yeah, exactly. That's what I've heard from like retail. Yeah, I know. So, um, but like, it's crazy when you just go into a store and show your face and show that you're a person. And I just like, yeah, just give them samples and, and then say like, I'll check in back in with you. So do you wear a shirt when you go into the store? <laughs> I just parked outside, Dan. <laughs> just open the sliding door, smoke billows out. <laughs> yeah, I wear a, I wear a shirt, and I actually bought some because uh, it's so like in Sacramento, it's so fucking hot. Like it's gonna be like over 105, so I bought some like nicer shorts. I was wearing through my old ones, but uh, they, they came in the mail today. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, this is too small. I got to get a new pair. Trying to dress, trying to dress relatively nice for the job. And Josh, what do the next couple months hold? How is the How are the wedding preparations and such for you? Yeah, so getting married during a pandemic was a, a bold choice. Uh, didn't didn't start out that way. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't know that was going to happen. Didn't uh, know. Oop, going to save a lot of money. Will you marry me? just slip it in there we have a tight window here Um, yeah so we've had to uh, deal with postponing a wedding um still having like a family backyard wedding to get actually married 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll have like a bigger celebration next May, which I mean, who knows at this point? Like, yeah. So that's been the main focus of, of, uh, my life right now has just been kind of patchworking together a small little wedding, which has been fun. Um, and that's happened in October. So that's awesome, man. And then we'll be excited when that, that business blog hits sometime after you're, you're married and that's behind you. Yeah. I've still been curating stories and then just, or not stories, uh, little posts here and there. I've slowed down a little bit, but have started reaching out to some people to see if they'd be interested in, in writing something. And it's been positive feedback, but at that stage where it's like, yeah, man, it sounds like a good idea. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see what, we'll see what happens when, uh, when I'm like, okay, can I get something by like next Tuesday? Like, it's like, no, ah. I need to ask you something direct. <laughs> Will you be able to do Yeah, absolutely. But that's, that's awesome that that's moving forward. I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, so for, for us, Lizzie and I bought a house in Oakland. So for that reason, the, the show, our podcast is going to go on a, a brief hiatus before we do season two, because I'm told moving is a very stressful time. I know from experience a couple of times and putting all your money into something and have $0 in your banking account is a little more stressful as well. So we'll be doing that probably taking a month or so off. And then for season two of this, we we have a few different ideas. So Josh and I will definitely be here. Drew, it sounds like Drew will be off and on as he's, he's traveling, traveling through national parks and state parks and things like that. But we know we've had listeners who've expressed interests who want to get on for certain episodes, episodes they're passionate about. Season two of The Sopranos is actually my personal favorite season. Just a lot of awesome things happen. So I think people probably feel pretty strongly about some of those episodes. But taking a brief break before we we do that. And then that'll help me too as I get through moving. And screenwriting and writing is my number one priority. And that's been... I've still been doing it, but it's been on the back burner as we've been doing this. So I can start to refocus that and figure out how I'm going to manage my time around that too over the next over the next month or so. But really excited to actually watch season two. It's just going to be a little delayed. All right. So let's finish up this episode. It's a sprint toward the end here. At the Soprano house, Tony comes down for breakfast, just showing again how twisted he is. He's in a great mood. I wonder why it's because everyone from Junior's crew is planned on getting whacked that day. First, we go to Mikey's house. So Mikey is Junior's guy. He leaves to go on a run. He's, again, super rude to his wife as usual. And as he's running away, a dog barks at him too. It's like every every sign you need for this guy is not a good guy. But we talked about this too. Just, I mean, would you ever go on a run outside as a mob guy <laughs> or the same the same run you always go on? <laughs> No, I guess we don't know. It's the same run. But the car finds them pretty quick. I was just say, well, I guess it depends, right? Because you do get a big head thinking, oh, I'm, you know, a, I don't know if he was a capo, but high up, high enough up where, you know, you feel mm-hmm. some protection, but still, I would always be suspicious. Right. But yeah, maybe you, you get a big head. Things are fine for, I think this happens in a lot of things. Like things are fine for a while, you know, at work, I'm like thinking, oh, my work chat is probably monitored pretty closely. I should like keep it G-rated PG maybe. But then as I feel more comfortable, I start like talking shit more and more in my work chat. I'm like, dude, they totally monitor this. I need to cool it down. But that was probably him. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling comfortable going on this run. Nothing happened last He's time. like, I'm man, going on this. that whack on Tony almost went really well. <laughs> <laughs> almost. What, what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. 
he's not the tactician, right? He doesn't suspect that Tony knows or might figure it out or anything. But I don't know. If you're going to whack a capo and it doesn't work well, I think you should be a little bit more worried. Maybe I've seen too many mob movies. But anyway, Carr starts following Mikey slowly. At least he figures it out at this point. Slowly down the road. He runs into the woods. Chris and Polly get out of the car. Uh, Polly like runs through some poison ivy in the woods <laughs> trying to get to him. And then that is not poison ivy. What? That is not poison ivy. That that was my my pitfall. I was like, that was like a, a birch. Well, is poison ivy on the west coast? Is it just poison oak? Uh, I think it's more poison oak here than poison ivy. But so I don't know what poison ivy looks like in New Jersey. So I don't know. I don't think it looks like a birch tree. <laughs> <laughs> And plus, like, everybody's running through it, and he's the only one getting it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, Polly like, runs right into a tree, and he's just like, like, poison ivy. Yeah, so that could have been, it could have not been poison ivy. I don't know. But they kill Mikey, which, Josh, you called that early on in the season. You thought Mikey was going to die, which, I mean, when you have a shithead character who's just making rude comments to everyone, it's like, yeah, he's going to die at some point. You would think. <laughs> that, that was a good call. So Mikey gets killed. But then there's an FBI montage, assuming the other guys in Junior Soprano's crew are going to get whacked. But instead, they're all arrested by the FBI, or many of them are. And one of the funniest moments is when the FBI goes to Junior's house, they like, he sticks his head out and they're like, Corrado Soprano, FBI. And he just goes, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think he was going to open the door. So I was like, maybe they don't know I'm here. (laughs) He like sticks his head out the window. It's like a very likable junior moment. I like junior. And then another capo, we've seen Larry Boy Barisi. He gets arrested. And then another mob guy we haven't seen who is part of the old, old time crew, Joseph Sasso, he gets arrested. And I think that's just more to illustrate is there's a lot of characters in this um, in this family we haven't seen yet. At home, though, Tony and Carmela see that Junior's arrested on TV. The kids will see this. It's very traumatizing. Um, it's again, I'm thinking about how like a whack on Tony last episode goes horribly wrong. And then he like smoothly whacks like two of the guys he wants to. It's just not, not fair. He's just good at his job. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess I was thinking like junior did want to hire people outside of the family at that point. But when Tony found out it was junior, it became more personal. So he was okay with doing it inside the family, I guess. Yeah. There's a sad slash funny moment when there's an interview with Mikey's wife on TV where <laughs> Carmela sees like the horrible effects it has, but she's like, it told me that he loved me. <laughs> like, she's like really sad that he left for the run. It's like, if you remember his last words were not quite the same. Go take a mitle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, told what? me that he loved me. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to test out his running shoes. It's like that detail makes it so good. Yeah, it's just the small details that make the Sopranos just like so spot on. In uh, the Soprano kitchen, Tony reveals, he finds out why the the guys who got arrested got arrested. It was for a specific calling card scam that he was uninvolved with. So he looks like he's going to be off the hook, but he's worried about the guys in prison who might flip. He also mentions the capo they killed at the beginning of the episode, Jimmy Altieri, fed the FBI a lot of information a close on Artie's story at Vesuvio he 
tells Father Phil he's feeling better, even though he decided not to tell his wife or the insurance company. And Father Phil doesn't have any words, but just says, you seem at peace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how the student does it, but he knows math now. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. You're at peace. My job is done. Josh, the next scene is something you'd kind of brought up something similar. So it's junior in prison. The FBI asks him if he will testify that Tony Soprano was the head of the family and not him. And you thought you thought junior was going to flip this episode or that was what you predicted, right? Yeah, clearly I was wrong, but it makes sense when you do the math. It's like, well, how long will junior last inside prison? Probably till the day that he dies. Or if he flips on Tony, how long will he last outside of prison? Probably not like more than a few days. So I think he's just on self-preservation mode right now. That's that's a valid point. I saw it as Junior's old school. Like mm. it, he just he lives by the same standards that Tony lives by, and like some of these newer generation guys do not. That's how I saw it. But I mean, people in the show are just doing. They're just looking out for themselves deep down. Like. They talk about loyalty a lot, but very rarely do you actually see loyalty. So I don't know. Drew, what do you think? Is was Junior is Junior old school or is he just looking after himself? I got the impression that he's old school. Mm-hmm. I that's what I thought. Closing the Father Phil story, uh, he comes over to Carmela's house, seemingly with kind of the same intentions as he did in the college episode. Carmela is un- unamused. She I think knows his game at this point. She's figured it out. And he, he calls or she calls him out on it. You know, he likes the whiff of sexuality, sexuality with these spiritually deprived women. And all of it is tied up with food somehow, which we've seen as a recurring theme. And I, I thought Carmela nails it. Oh, she could have been more spot on. She calls him on all his bullshit. And he goes, uh, OK, goes and grabs a Renee Zell- Zellweger flick and gets on out of there. <laughs> it's kind of like when you're in a fight with your with your girlfriend or wife or spouse or whatever and they like it you're just like god damn it i'm wrong <laughs> like 100 <laughs> percent. like i'm gonna go grab my toys and go home now <laughs> yeah his his walk of shame was so funny he had to go back and get the dvd it's like you walk to the door and then had to walk back and pick up the renee zellweger dvd <laughs> even when just last week i told you i'm not a big renee zellweger fan <laughs> So good. It's those details, like you said, Drew. I love it. Tony goes to finally close the last piece of this puzzle for him. He goes to Green Grove Nursing Unit. On his way in, he grabs a pillow to seemingly smother his own mother. Were you, I mean, Josh, were you thinking he was going to do it? Yeah, I thought he was like, he had that look in his eye and that smile. Like <laughs> The employee tells Tony his mom had a stroke and it's just like, like this smile he smiles and like tosses her the pillow and then he viciously tells his mom he knows and he's just so like you think this is i don't know on the surface you think tony's winning like he's he's owning his mom here but if you step back and look at like this reaction he has over this this woman on this (laughs) who has just had a stroke it's like she has crushed him she is affected him so much to have this extreme reaction here i don't know it was just a really good scene and as he's leaving or as they're pulling him away from her 
he's just like, she's smiling. Look at her face. Look at that look on her face. And was she smiling? What do you guys think? Did you see her I think smiling? She was smiling. Yeah, I, I watched it twice. Or was it she was like in pain because someone was leaning over her or saw the light and had a glare in her eyes? Do you think, she, or she thinks she was actually smiling? I think she was actually smiling. Hard for me to tell, but you made a good point about like his mom still affecting him because like a cooler, cooler character when he heard the stroke news would have just been like smiled and walked away or be like, <laughs> call me if you need me to pull the plug or, or something like made, made a funny <laughs> <line or> thing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You think she really had a stroke, Josh? I would think so. Uh, I mean, I don't, I feel like that'd be hard to fake with like doctors rushing you off mm. to, I, I don't know, surgery or an MRI or wh- wherever they're going. Yeah, I, I think she had the stroke. And I think all of it was faking her Alzheimer's up to then, but I think she had the stroke. I think that'd be hard to fake. It reminds me of Godfather Part 2 in The Kiss of Death when Michael kisses Fredo, his brother, on the lips. He says, I know it was you. As Fredo betrays him. Um, spoilers for Godfather Part 2. Tony goes to Dr. Melfi's office and learns that she actually took her vacation. So he is really hitting all the steps here making sure everything has been closed off as the good as the good manager leader that Tony is. So he made sure that Tony, she is on vacation and then he's driving with his family and the storm is really bad. Uh, they can't really see where they're going. So they stop off. They happen to be on the street of Vesuvio. They stop off at Vesuvio. Vesuvio lost power, but Artie brings them in and we, we get this uh, closure of the season. We see Polly and Silvio there. Polly has uh, the ointment from the poison ivy on him. We see Christopher and Adriana there and Tony with his family. You know, he's closed the threat that his Uncle Junior's crew killed the ones that were a threat. Uncle Junior did get arrested before he could kill Uncle Junior. His mom had a stroke. Dr. Melfi ran away on vacation. So all seems good there. And this to him is a happy moment. And he gives a toast to his family. Someday soon, you're going to have families of your own. And if you're lucky, you'll remember the little moments like this that were good. And Bruce Springsteen runs over the credits, which I don't think we've heard Bruce yet this season, despite how big of a figure he is in New Jersey. And the actor who plays Silvio played with Bruce. Um, And the season ends. No cliffhangers, Josh. But I still cannot wait to watch season two. Those kind of some cliffhangers, like what's going to happen with Junior and Bomb. <laughs> those those aren't the the cliffhangers I was I was referring to, where there is literally like a guy walking up behind Tony with a gun, fades to black. Exactly, um, exactly something like that. Or yeah, someone carries someone off into the dark, and you're like, oh no, who is it? And then it gets resolved in the first minute of season two. It's like. All right, that was stupid. <laughs> no, they they tie they tie pretty much everything up, but there is an ongoing story that still exists. They didn't finish the story. And it is. It's Uncle Junior and everyone who's been arrested here. What is going to happen with them? Junior's existing crew. How is is Tony going to be able to take over this family smoothly? Livia, who tried to whack her son, is still alive. There are a lot of factors at play still. Anything else you guys want to cover in the episode? Nothing in the episode, but I was just thinking about this. Total random thought. Do you think like Netflix will ever come out and just drop like five seasons of a show that no one's ever seen before? <laughs> just like a total bold move. Just be like, here's 50 episodes. <laughs> that Wow, what a pull. 
if they did that, it's like we've been filming. This cost us a hundred million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll have to. Maybe when people just start like binging, so, when people become so addicted to TV that they just need more than 12 or 13 episodes or whatever. Oh, God. I was, maybe they'll start raising the stakes. I was <laughs> doing a meditation on YouTube today, and the ad for it was like, what if you can, instead of reading a book, you could just put your hand on a book and know the information. I was like, what the fuck? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> when, when binging isn't enough. <laughs> just need to put your head inside the TV. Be like, whoa. <laughs> Those five seasons. They just re- <laughs> release a full series of TV, though. That would be wild. Like, all of Breaking Bad, if that got it released at once. People just stop showing up for work. <laughs> yeah. wow. Like, U.S. productivity drops, like, more than what happened with the coronavirus. Yeah. I remember... <laughs> I, I remember in, uh, in, like, history class in high school, we were learning about before like the five day work week and 40 hour work weeks and things like that. And so they drank really heavily on Sunday and just, it was kind of accepted that a lot of people would miss work on Monday. <laughs> and that would just be like, Oh, the Netflix, Netflix dropped another whole series. I'm not going to be expecting people this week. Plan your workflow around it. Like it's, it's binge worthy. Pitfalls for this episode. I didn't have a whole lot. I think they did a really good job tying up, everything that was flying in the air this season where I think we saw episodes where we think something get resolved and then it didn't the next episode. And then it, it just tied up a lot of things. I made a note about like Dr. Melfi. I don't know if she would make all the jumps to Livia, but we talked about that at length and I like the Melfi scenes enough that it didn't bother me too much. Um, and then what we said about the FBI, the FBI was like that, touch of God that came in there and gave Tony the clue he needed, but they handled it. They handled it by putting the FBI in a couple times in episodes early on so that when it did happen this episode, we weren't, we weren't too shocked by it. Did you guys have any pitfalls? I don't think there, I, I didn't remember too many. They did a really good job with this episode, making it tidy. I mean the boat, but then again, yeah. that, that might not be a true one. You, you like the aquatic pitfalls, don't you Josh? <laughs> The boat and the bridge not being too high. <laughs> yeah, I'm a stickler. I I like the sticklerness too. I just just a note on the the aqueous nature of them. Uh, Drew, how about you? Yeah, just four years of environmental science and birch trees and uh, poison ivy. That's how <laughs> the poison ivy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like 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 poison oak turns like a tinge red and it, it can get pretty red, but that was like red and yellow leaves. <laughs> so I guess that pissed me off. They kind of tied it in where Polly's like even matter <laughs> to like just put like ten bullets in Mikey after he's gotten poison oak from him. Oh yeah, like they they light Mikey up. Like Chris is pissed about Brendan who got killed earlier in the season, and then Polly from the poison ivy <laughs> so messed up. And it's it, it's like so twisted. And I think you can be a completely sane person and. Uh, really hate violence, which I do, and but still be a little happy when Mikey gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, like that was satisfying. Um, oh, one one I don't have. I don't know if Tony would have made the hit on Chucky. I think I think Tony'd be too high up, but maybe he did feel it was very personal, the whole situation. So he and he had the uh, Coast Guard license or whatever he said. 
to get to the docks maybe. But I don't know. I, I think he might have put someone else on that, but that was the only only small thing I had. I still think so we talked about two decisions early on in the series. Two of the big ones was if Tony burning down Artie's restaurant was the right decision at the time, and if making Junior boss to shield Tony and the rest of the crew were the right decisions. I'm still gonna say they were. I think those were good leadership decisions. The restaurant almost bit him in the ass. Naming Junior Boss almost bit him in the ass, but then in the long run actually still works out because Junior is in prison and not Tony. I don't know. What do you guys think? Are you still behind those decisions Tony made? I like the I like making Junior Boss. I think that one was a, a suave move. The restaurant obviously kind of worked out with the insurance money. I don't know what the other solution would have been. That's it though. It's like if there's not another solution, then I don't know if Yeah, it's kinda of like Occam's razor, right? The simplest solution's often the best. Did you say what you thought about those decisions, Drew? Let's see. There was the making junior. I mean, seem that so far seemed to work out at least better than for junior. And then the already one, you know, yeah, it was just rocking a hard place. You yeah. Know, little white lie worked out. So I guess I'm fine with both of them. I think the rock in a hard place is a good way to look at it where it's like, yeah, things almost turned out horrible for him in both situations. But was there a better alternative? And and, in the mob, you know, he's he's a mob boss. I don't think there was. I think that was sometimes things fall into place the way you want them and sometimes they don't. So I want to go through all the deaths of this season to just bring us back through the season. We will remember some good moments of some despicable characters getting killed and we can determine what our favorite death of the season was. First, how many how many people do you think Tony killed throughout the season? You guys know quickly? Personally? personally? Two. Yeah, personally. Two, I believe. Yeah, nice. Anyway, episode one, Emil Kolar gets killed by Christopher Moltisanti. Chris's first kill. He calls him Email. Episode two, the truck driver gets killed when Brennan botches the hijacking, the ricochet bullet. So keep track of what you guys like the best out of this. Episode three, Brendan Filoni gets killed in the bathtub by Mikey. Junior inexplicably is in the room also. Episode four, Jackie April, the acting boss of the family, dies of cancer. Episode five, the episode that changed TV forever, college. Tony kills Febby Petrullio. Episode six, the drug dealer Rusty Irish is killed. And so this is the one who sold drugs to Junior's taylor's grandson and so junior has this guy killed and this starts the rumblings of people being unhappy with so they throw him off the bridge and mikey pays the guys that see like 20 dollars, not to say anything <laughs> nothing till episode 10 episode 10 they kill the colombian drug dealer and get the drug stash polly kills him episode 11 vin mckazian our guy from home alone jumps off the bridge episode 12 mikey kills donnie who's setting up the hit on Tony because Donnie is talking too much about Tony's mother wanting him whacked and they don't want him to talk. Also in episode 12, William Petit Claiborne, who tries to kill Tony, is shot by his own guy. And then episode 13, bloodbath here. Jimmy Altieri, the rat, gets killed. Chucky Signori gets killed on the boat by Tony. And then Mikey gets killed by Chris and Polly. So those were the, that's the body count of the season. Drew, what's your favorite? So I'm going to go with a curveball and say episode two, Livia trying to back out of the 
the spot <laughs> drives into her friend and breaks her hip. And even though it's not announced, you know that that lady's dying of a broken hip. <laughs> for sure. Oh man, I think she gets that lady gets mentioned again later in the series about like what size know. coffin she's. <laughs> I don't know if she's she's alive or deceased. She's not in it. They mention her by name. Um, that's a great one. That is a curveball, and I'll take it. I think that was a good one, um, and that was a funny moment. Josh, how about you? I think I go with Mikey this season. I just hated yeah. that character. It was so satisfying, and plus. I liked how uh, Paulie just kind of wasn't even worried about, he was more worried about himself, which showed the lack of importance that Mikey actually was to like the whole crew. Uh, so I don't know. I just, I didn't really like his character the whole, whole season. Mm-hmm. He was annoying. And so it was really satisfying to see him get that whacked. Was, that was probably the most significant death too. Don't you think like killing a, the second hand man to the boss? Definitely. I think so. Jackie April had the largest effect, but not significant because he knew it was coming or pretty much the whole time. And he didn't really know Jackie's character. Right. Yeah. Whatever. That's fair. Um, Yeah. I think, I think Mikey, they saved the big one for last this season. Some bigger ones will happen than, than Mikey for sure. For me, I'm going to go with, with Chucky on the boat. It's, it's kind of glossed over, but it's Tony's second killing of the season, but I loved the thought process that went into Tony. He's like, I got to hollow this fish out. I got to get used to drawing a gun out of this fish. This is the best <laughs> way to whack this guy. And then in his sick, twisted mind puts on a hat. And then like his buddy Silvio, they're just like, eh, yeah, go over there. Um, drive the boat over there. It's just, it's just horribly great. Though episode five, Febby Petrulia was the most significant for TV out of all of these, all of these deaths. So good shout out there. Favorite comedy moment of this episode. Drew, do you have one? I thought I thought the dinner scene. It's just like <laughs> the the whack dinner, whack sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I liked I liked Olivia just because just because I know her. St. Louis Obispo. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> has this pork been cooked? Like she doesn't like she's concerned about the pork being cooked despite trying to kill her son. Like Junior's sick to his stomach about it. He can barely face Tony, but but Livia's got a good appetite. Also a good throwback moment in that scene to uh, Anthony Jr. humming the Jeopardy song. Oh, I was going to mention that. That was awesome. (laughs) I mean, he's like, who is Artie? That was like, that was like TV for me as a kid, like Jeopardy and then Wheel of Fortune. I think we accidentally got that channel or something. Oh, because you didn't have any yeah. other cable or yeah yeah i remembered only having just like, like the basics yeah nbc like, cbs or whatever. yeah exactly oh that's great josh how about you best comedy moment i was actually gonna do uh anthony soprano jr with the with the jeopardy music wow nice you staying with that yeah it just made me chuckle yeah it was a good one the episode itself wasn't really all that funny totally i did love when the fbi came to junior's house they're like Carado Soprano, FBI. He's just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> just made, made, made Lizzie and I laugh so hard. <laughs> but the most satisfying one was Carmela tearing apart Father Phil. Oh, that was so great. And when she brings in food, she's like, somehow food is involved. <laughs> she just, she's 
just nails it. Best drama moment, Drew? I had Father Phil. I mean, I know it's kind of funny, but it's just like, oh, nice. Just calling him on his shit. I think everybody's had a moment in their life where they're just like, fuck. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Just like, can you uh, think, can you think of a moment off the top of your head? Nothing specific. Um, but just like, yeah, arguments with my, with Emily where I'm just like, and I'm at 100% wrong, you know, but she summed that up in words perfectly. (laughs) Usually I probably don't give up. I don't do the walk of shame. I'll just keep badgering on. (laughs) I think before I started dating Lizzie, I didn't realize that you could sum up, uh, arguments so succinctly. I thought you just were just angry at each other. And she's like, no, this is actually why. I'm angry for these reasons. And I'm just like, fuck my junior <laughs> soprano when the FBI shows up. <laughs> like, ah, she was exactly right. <laughs> but the best, best drama is comedy. So I like that you threw that into a drama moment, Drew. Uh, Josh, how about you? Definitely up there is uh, the Dr. Melfi scene where Tony's flipping out when she's bringing up his ma, being the one who like ordered the hit and everything. Um, that one that's just yeah. like, that was a really good scene it was intense 100 i'm gonna go with when tony goes to attack his mom at green grove i thought that was the most chilling scene all around like there's a twist in the middle of it when you find out she had a stroke and he's not going to kill her and he has this gleeful smile but then he's still so he's still squashed by this bedridden old woman this mob guy and i thought that was i thought it was so good did you, uh, I didn't notice this when I watched it, but I was reading the Wikipedia that Tony calls one of the nurses, uh, George Clooney at the oh, place yeah. in, in reference to ER. I thought yep. that was pretty funny. He's, he's always got great references. It's like, it's hard to keep up with all the pop culture references with it, but I did catch the George Clooney one. I was good. Anything else guys? Season finale. Drew, you have anything else? Yeah, just stoked to be watching The Sopranos again. I'm I'm like appreciating it so much more this time. Is the show more about Tony's mob family or his real family? I think equal parts. That was the right, that was the right answer. Right answer. <laughs> <laughs> really, uh, really split the middle there. <laughs> Hang, hanging on both sides of the fence. Is he? Gosh, because so much of it's about like him trying to do this supposedly for his family which is just you know a cop out but then loyalty for his mob family comes into play and i mean do you think do you think tony is loyal josh to his mob family on the surface i'd say yes but i mean he's still doing things that he knows the mob family wouldn't like like going to therapy Mm -hmm. but i mean you could argue that he's doing that for himself which would make him a better mobster but yeah i mean from what i saw it seems like he's pretty loyal to the to the family and into and the purpose. So that's our show for season one of Josh hasn't seen the Sopranos. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, please leave us a review on whatever your preferred podcast provider is. If you haven't already, you can subscribe and we'll let you know about new episodes or when we're coming back for season two on Jared You can also find some screenplays I've written on there. Um, if you want to contact us with any questions, comments, if you want to be part of season two in any way, please do let us know via that website. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, Twitter handle Josh hasn't seen the Sopranos. As you know, Drew is an artist. He's 
Drew draws on Instagram and his website is rivers to see stickers.com. Josh, what's happening in season two? I see the FBI continuing to bear down on the mob family and Tony having to make some interesting decisions. Uh, definitely think we'll know what happens to big, big pussy. Mm-hmm. And I guess Meadow would probably be in college. I don't know how much we'll see of her. And um, I bet Dr. Melfi continues to see Tony and they actually have a sexual affair. All right. Well, I mentioned, I mean, I think this series, people say it peaked from like season two to four. I think it keeps like there, the layers just keep adding throughout, even in, in seasons five, six, and seven. Um, season two is my personal favorite. Uh, just there's just like a lot of amazing things going on. And I, I mentioned Tony's sister comes into play too, which adds to the wonderful family dynamics here. So Josh, you're going to be able to wait for season two if we, if we take this break here, or are you going to have to bench through it? I think you can wait. It'll be like back to the old days where, you know, you got to be patient. <laughs> cruise, <laughs> cruise, the, it, cruise the blogs. <laughs> wait a whole month yeah. for the writers to, <laughs> to then to film the second season. <laughs> It's not like Netflix dropping five seasons at once. <laughs> yeah. Somebody on Netflix is going to be watch- listening to this and, and they'd be like, damn, this guy's a genius. <laughs> and we're going to get like, they're going to pay The Rock like $200 million for <laughs> five seasons of a flop show. <laughs> Adam Sandler is just going to get paid $200 million by Netflix. A bad show. Uh, Written by Cartman. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, you guys, did you guys watch Uncut Jewels? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I cut gems. Oh yeah, is that yeah? Yeah, I was nervous the whole time. Yeah, I was just about to say that was the most stressful movie I've ever seen. It was stressful. It was it was well done. I don't think I would watch it again, but it was it was worth watching once. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, thanks so much, guys. Super excited to see what we all have in store, and we'll be excited to watch season two. We'll see you guys next time. Adios. Take it easy.